You read the Bible, Greg. You talking to me? Come along, Samuels. Keep up. Wait, wait. Let me let me explain something to you. Uh, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Well, there's past. So what you want? Jesus freak. I got a bad feeling about this. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? Each and every man under my command owes me 100 net scouts. <laughs> Start see pictures, eh? Oh wow! Thank you for that. Hello and welcome to the Film and Loathing podcast for Sunday, March fifteenth, two thousand and twenty. This is episode number 64, and I'm Jake. I'm Chris. And I'm Zach. Coming up this week, we will be doing our 11th Hall of Fame review. Chris's pick this time around was Dennis Hopper's Easy Rider from 1969. We'll also be talking about mm. some other... Th- nice. <laughs> nice. We'll also be talking about some other things that we watched and whatever else comes up along the way. So thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. How you guys doing this week? Wonderful. Oh, I was hoping for not so bad, not so bad. I'm doing pretty good. You know, Lorber order in the mail yesterday, so that was good. Yeah, that looked good. How many did you get again? A what in the mail? 18. Nice. What'd you get? My the Kino Lorber sale. I got eighteen movies. Oh, that's right. They yeah. arrived at my house yesterday or a day before. I had quite the conundrum getting mine. I I don't. I'm not exactly sure how this happened. I've raked it over my brain multiple times, and I'm still not sure how I did it. But I accidentally delivered my package to the wrong apartment, and the package that in the apartment that it was delivered to, no one lives in that apartment. So that took a little bit to figure out, and then I was finally able to get it after like a day or so. Did you did you know the apartment it was delivered to? Yeah, I pulled up my receipt and saw where it was, like where it was delivered to, and it's like the set of apartments that it's the same building, but they're just like on the other end. Yeah. So I like went there, knocked on there a few times, tried to get a hold of them. There was nothing. Left them a note on their door. You know, twenty four hours goes by, still nothing. So then I had to go to the main office and inquire. Mm, mm. Sounds like a serious It deal. was serious. I was afraid I lost two movies. That's that's yeah. serious. I've got some exciting news for you guys. What's that? I bought three Criterion movies this week. Mm. Whoa. What'd you get? Yeah, dude. Uh, Summer with Monica. Okay. The 24, movie. 24 frames. Okay. Okay. And Solo, 120 Days of Sodom. <laughs> Why that one? <laughs> I don't know. Sounded, sounded raunchy. He's <laughs> <laughs> it is. Boy, were you correct? I'm ex. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I'm excited to see that one. But I read the synopsis and I was like, this sounds fucked, is, dude. Is like, Alyssa gonna watch it with you? She doesn't know that I have it yet. Oh, boy. Question. Did you buy them all pre-owned? Uh, I bought... 
120 days of Sodom pre-owned and some with Monica pre-owned. Did you buy them through the website? No, I bought them at Bull Moose. Oh. Why? Why? I was just curious. Because those are like, those are three titles that I had recently just sold. So I was like, maybe Chris is just getting them. Maybe. Wait, what did you sell it through? Uh, I sold them to Bull Moose. Oh, 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 oh. I because like I went and bought Summer with Monica, um, probably like four days ago, and then I went and bought Twenty Four Frames and Solo, Hundred Twenty Days of Sodom today, but Twenty Four Frames was new. So what's the occasion? Um, I just want I want I know I wanted to see Twenty Four Frames for a while, and that was the only copy I could find at Bull Moose. Uh, it is the only copy available. I figured as much. And Salo, 120 Days of Sodom was just like, I don't know, it was pre-owned, it was cheaper, and it sounded fucked, so I was kind of, I don't want to say I was into that, because I wasn't, I'm not like into it, like I'm not into that, you but watch like. You the Human Centipede movies. Oh, I did. This is going to be like a back-to-back type shit. When you talk about it on the. So you're going to watch. 24 frames and then watch <laughs> Solid No, I'm talking days. I'm going to watch Human Centipede 1, Human Centipede 2, 120 Days of Sodom, then Human Centipede 3. Gotcha. Okay. In that order. You should throw in like Irreversible in there or something. That reference is right over my head. I've never heard of that movie. Oh, it's um it's quite notorious for having a, a fairly graphic rape scene in it. Jeez. That's messed yeah, up. Yeah, it's something like something like 10 to 13 minutes long, straight, one shot. What? Yeah, it's, it's pretty fucked. I don't know if I can do that, dude. So, make, you might as well make it a quadruple bill. Well, I'm All hoping right, that this one is going to be... What is, what's a five? Quintuple, quintuple, quintuple yeah. Billing. Well, like I'm look, I'm I've, I'm trying to replace the most fucked up movie I've ever seen. What's the most fucked up movie I've ever seen? That's something uh, you're actively doing, huh? Well, like I'm just I'm hoping this. I'm not like actively pursuing that as a replacement, <laughs> but like I'm hoping this will replace it. You're just actively fuck- watching fucked up movies, and just just so you have a new number one. <laughs> no, that one didn't just- do it. On to the next one. <laughs> no, it's literally just this is the only one that I'm getting. And ugh, uh, most fucked up movie I ever saw was Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, that's a good one. I like Cannibal Holocaust. Dude, no, that's absolutely, it's so fucked. Yeah, sure, but like. They really killed yeah. animals in that movie. I think that's messed up. I obviously don't agree with what happens in the movie, but like. But you're saying. You said, oh, I fucking love Cannibal Holocaust. It's it's great. <laughs> it's a different time. Like, it'd be like well, you no can still you can still like this. Schindler's List and not support the Nazis. Well, it's different because Jews weren't actually killed in the making of that movie. No, but they, was, they were in real no. life, which inspired the movie. Yeah, I'm not saying the events itself are okay, but, like, saying you like something that literally, like, it shows them killing animals. Okay, let me, 
on the counter argument here, I really enjoyed the documentary Safari, and that features actual poachers poaching actual animals, and actual big game hunters shooting close to extinct species. I guess you could That's make that I argument, but doc no, 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 but documentaries are meant for informative purposes. This had no informative reasons behind it. I would say it was purely entertainment. I don't agree with your assessment of what a documentary is made for. Well, I'm not okay. Fine, you tell me. What are documentaries made for? Yes. The same reason any film is made. To tell a story. One just happens to be fictional and one isn't. Mm. I don't know as if I agree with that, but that's okay. Well, you don't have defend, to. Defend your point, Chris. We've got nothing else to do. Um, I would say there are many documentaries out there that aren't meant to purely just tell a story. I would say there are a lot of them that are meant to be educational for the sake of being educational. I did not say they couldn't be educational, but they are. But probably, I'm saying there probably is still an intertwining story. But what you're saying is, is that there all documentaries are made for the sake of telling a story. Yes. Yes. I would say that that's not true because I would say that there are many documentaries out there that aren't really telling stories. They're just trying to inform people on certain topics. Like what? I believe that. The story like, they are trying to tell are, could be more abstract. I would say that there are plenty of PBS documentaries that would fall under that category. I'm saying there are plenty of PBS categories that would fall under your categorization as well, like Roosevelt or anything. But I would say something along the lines of, like, I haven't seen the full thing, but, like, Cosmos, maybe? That is telling the story of the universe it's and how it inf- potentially came to be. Okay then I believe that there are probably many documentaries out there on just topics about science, like the one we watched in health class. Is it telling the stories about how a sperm meets an egg? Like, I don't think that's the purpose of that movie. I would also argue that what you watch in health class is not a documentary. It is an educational video. But let me, so back to what you were saying, lots of science things. Those seem to be your only examples, as I believe they probably are the only examples you could come up with. Well, because history is literally like a story. It's just one big story, and anything involved with English is about creating story, or unless you're making a documentary on, like, syntax, I guess, or something like that. But Even that would be telling the story of syntax. Yeah, I guess so. But, like, that's the thing, is that, like, it doesn't need to be strictly about the story of syntax. It can be, like, how syntax can be used or something along those sorts, which, you know, you... Isn't that just part of the the story of syntax? (laughs) How you can use syntax is about the story of syntax? It is a component of the story of syntax. But in itself is not the story. What I'm saying is that you probably have a very narrow-minded view of what a story is. So that is why you believe there are documentaries made strictly for educational purposes. But what I'm arguing is that they are still telling a story even if their main purpose is to educate. All right. It's just not Frodo going to Mount Doom, you know? Well, 
Fuck me, I guess. Right, yeah, maybe guys? next week. <laughs> Dude, with the coronavirus going around, I really don't know if we should be engaging like that. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, gone viral yet, so maybe we should uh, not record anymore. Has maybe anything, we should stop now we do until this until remotely. Over. <laughs> Has anything in Portland started shutting down? Mm, not to my knowledge. I know there are, like, places that... I know there are places like hotels and shit that have definitely stopped programs. There are people that are going out of work, but it's not like, you know, buildings and companies in itself have stopped doing business. Makes sense. Like, there's been a lot of, like, you know, events that have been canceled with, like, the 250, 200 max rule. Like, I know Letterkenny was supposed to come up here or come down to Canada. Yeah, but a bunch of, like, dude, there was, like, they were both sold out an entire auditorium. People were pumped, and then they just had to postpone it. And they did the same thing with Randy uh, from Trailer Park Boys, was supposed to come down. Main's fucked. And they had to postpone that. Like, oh, there's been no. a bunch of shit, yeah. Guess you guys just I don't do appreciate do. true art. I think Boulder's heading there. I think so. I mean, like, I, I don't, the thing is that, like, I don't understand how you keep people afloat during that time. Do they just, do, does everybody just mutually agree not to, like, charge anybody anything for anything? What do you mean? Do they just put a pause on the economy? No, it, <laughs> like, Spectrum's already said they're not going to be charging, like, late fees. If you and if you don't make a payment, they're not going to shut off your service. Yeah, no, we've had the same thing with CMP. Yeah, I think Amera's doing the same thing as well. Which, it's illegal for a mayor to shut off your power anyways right now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I might be, uh, might be getting a two-week vacation here pretty soon. Potentially two Problem weeks. With... Potentially longer. Yeah, it wouldn't be... The two-week vacation is not going to be paid. Uh, mine is. Hurts. If I get... If I contract coronavirus, then I get two weeks paid, uh... Off of Wait, why would it? Why would you fall like, under the government not. relief funds? Uh, well, first of all, you have to apply for those. Okay. And I'm not in control of applying for them for Harvest Moon Deli. Why wouldn't you? Don't person you, your Second, company does it, not you. Yeah, it has to be a company that applies for them. That's what the leave. The relief funds are not in place for people; they're in place for businesses. So your company has to apply for them, be approved, and then it's there's no time frame as to when they get the money. So like, yeah, it's it's a nice thing that people are talking about doing, but like in reality, it's going to be a long time before those help anyone. Could you like apply for temporary unemployment or something? Currently, I have a job, so I don't need to. But well, I'm just saying, like, if it were to it's come the to same that thing point, with that like, a the unemployment process takes a very long time. So you're looking at a month, probably a month and a half before you saw any kind of money from them. And at that point in time, this is probably over with and you're back at work. See, like, you say that, but, like, maybe not. Well, it's not heat resistant, so as it starts getting warmer, it goes away. I don't know if anybody's proved that, though. I'm pretty sure they have. I'm pretty sure they have, not I'm pretty sure I've read it. I'm pretty sure you didn't. 
You got it off Reddit? Is that what you said? Because I don't know if that's a validated source. <laughs> Do- it, was a, it was a doctor asking me anything. That's what I asked him. <laughs> hey, is it going to like stick around for the warm season? <laughs> nah, dude, don't worry about it. Forget it. No, you're good, fam. Don't worry. <laughs> this summer about to be lit. <laughs> Where did you read it, Zach? Oh, Jesus. I've oh, read, I read I so many know. things from so many yeah, places. I read so much. Oh, I read. <laughs> I was about to say the same exact thing. I got these new glasses so I can stare at my screen longer, and now I read so many things on the internet. <laughs> okay. I have read so many things about it on the internet. Okay, I guess this... It's impossible for me to give you a direct source. I guess source. according to this article from, um, what is it, Al Jazeera? Or Al Jazeera? It, uh... What's that? It says that, uh, quoted Dr. John Nichols, a pathology professor at the University of Hong Kong, saying there are three things coronavirus is not like, sunlight, temperature, and humidity. There you go. So... So everybody move to Florida. Yeah, Florida's probably going to be fine. So, I mean, we'll see. Oh, dude. This is completely off. Ah, forget about it. Never mind. <sighs> if you want to switch topics, Chris, in preparation no. for, for quarantine, I got Skate 3, so I've been playing Skate 3. I thought you were done with video games. Well, this is what happens. <laughs> you get sucked right in. It was $5 on the Xbox Marketplace. That's a fantastic deal. Are they coming, ever coming out with Skate 4? I don't know. And it's a game that's not like 40 gigabytes, so it downloads in like 10 minutes. And you get so much fun from it. Like you I could mean, literally sit it. there and play for like weeks. Because Skate 3 is just such a good Was game. that the one where you literally just like skate around the city and you just run into different people and they offer you to do different challenges and you can just do that shit? No, God no! You're building a brand. What's Skate Three? You have to, you have to perform in street contests and win big prizes, and you have to get people to buy your stuff. Uh, you have to get on the cover of magazines. I feel like I make. Dude, we had this as a kid, Zach. I've played it for a long, long time. Yeah, all three of them actually. But I think I remember. I was going to the this. second one. I like the second one. Uh, I'm not crazy about the first one, but. If it's on the Xbox Marketplace and it's reverse compatible, I'd probably buy it. Yeah. I keep looking for Jet Set Radio Future, but, like, I can't find it anywhere. One day. One day. Saw Tekken 6, though, on the Xbox Marketplace. But it's, like, 30 bucks. You know? And I'm not really into playing Tekken for $30. Hey, it's too busy buying Criterion movies. doesn't have that money anymore. Hmm. I'm excited to watch 24 frames, though. I haven't seen it yet. I just bought it today. I think you're going to hate it. but Probably, but we'll see. I, I really wanted to watch it, and that was the only place I could get it, so I bought it. Hmm. I, I almost bought the DVD version of uh, 120 Days of Sodom. Yeah. It was cheaper. Then you didn't? It would be, yeah. I didn't. I spent the extra four bucks and I got the Blu-ray copies. Wait, four bucks? Come on, that's nothing. Because you guys are, 
peer pressuring. It was assholes. like a ten dollar difference, maybe, but four bucks. Come on. I thought you guys are. You're, is this not like a Pokemon thing where you try and collect them all? Collect all what? All the Criterion. It's not like gotta buy them all. Gotta buy them all. Criterion. No, I'm really just interested in the ones that I care about. They release a lot of stuff I truly don't care. I mean, about. they just like they just do like, a good job with like their transfers and they have some cool bonus material. So there's certain movies that I'm curious about it. But like Zach said, there's a lot of stuff I just simply not interested in. Oh. All right. Like when, uh, see, I'm in truly a dilemma. I don't know what to, I might. Own, I might own three copies of Parasite when it's all said and done. <laughs> Blue was it? Blu-ray, one. 4K, and Criterion. I already have the Blu-ray. So yeah, I might get. I'll probably get the 4K when it comes out in June, and the Criterion whenever that comes out. Then you can sell your Blu-ray copy. Yeah, I'll just keep it. <laughs> what? <laughs> just as this testament to how much I love it. Yeah. I might even double dip on Pan's Labyrinth Criterion. Oh, you own the 4K? Yeah. <clears throat> Gross. It's it's taken everything in me not to buy the before trilogy this week. I've looked at the page like multiple times and I I just really want to watch that trilogy. Then do it. Yeah, but like I don't want to spend eighty dollars. You <laughs> might have you might have nothing to do for two weeks. You might wanna. I am not gonna get it, dude. I have been wearing gloves at work. I've been sanitizing like it's nobody's business. I have been protecting myself. You may not get it, but if enough yeah, my hands are so but if dry. enough people get it and they close down Hertz for two weeks, I'm curious as to like what the threshold is. Like, what what is it gonna be? Like, how many? cases do they have to confirm before they make those decisions it's all up to uh to shut down hertz they will they can't shut down hertz Why? <clears throat> as long as they have cars on rent they cannot shut down hertz and they always have cars on rent well this is a pretty extreme time they may take different measures you know what i mean because like you're a hot spot dude like, along with like, airports and rental places not anymore like that's what people don't realize is that like the airports the people who are flying are the people who are not scared to fly and they don't have the coronavirus yeah but what about the guy that just the other day who he like he's banned from JetBlue now because he took a flight and when they landed he went to the flight attendant and said oh hey by the way i tested positive for coronavirus thanks for the flight we don't uh have jet blue flights no no but i'm saying like there are people like that out there <laughs> you nummy yeah <laughs> that's the solution <laughs> well you know we don't have jet blue flights so well let's, I just, the guy's well, not coming to my airport <laughs> this is what i'm saying you are just as likely to run in contact with somebody out in the middle of an area with coronavirus as you are with people coming into the airport Sure, but it's still a hot spot. You got a lot of people coming in and out, driving off, not, taking not, it different places, bringing it, not going right now. out of Are the car, driving around. We have on we had on average last year probably like ninety to hundred rentals per day this time of year. Now we have forty. Okay, that's still forty people out and about there are driving periods, around. There are periods in my workday where I don't see anybody for four to four and a half hours. Wow. 
Sounds great. Keep breaking like, it's, it in. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. Like, there's nobody. There's people I work with, and then there's people at, like, other rental car companies, but I don't see anybody for, like, the longest time. What do you do time. during those slow times? <sighs> Lately, I just kind of... You would solve in a Rubik's Cube? Well, like, I'm cleaning. Like, I'm doing shit at work. I'm cleaning the areas. I'm doing inventory. Like, I'm doing things. It's just, like... Do you have Netflix on? I don't know. I could. If I wanted to, I easily could pump in a few movies at work. But Why don't, don't you? Yeah, we've been we've been slow. And like I said, eventually it probably does not become financially feasible to stay open. So you're not making any money. But our owners are that greedy that they will stay Dude, it's open. crazy. We've been super busy. Everybody's just wanting pizza delivered. Everybody. I don't trust it. I wouldn't do it. I would just leave it right on their front porch. That's kind of what we're going to, actually. No joke. Yeah. Like, I would literally just be like, okay, leave the money in an envelope. Put the money in the envelope. Leave it on the front step, and I'll drop the pizza. Just leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. <laughs> Once I'm in my car, then you can grab the pizza. Capiche? I'll tell you what I'm going to give you, snakes. <laughs> 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 oh gosh that's fucking funny no but uh yeah it's been crazy busy just today actually no more no more dine-ins and no more coming in for slices and if you want delivery we'll deliver it to you um but even that's taking restrictive measures we're like paying in advance of the card and leaving it at the door not having anybody answer it um and also doing pickup orders where you call for a pickup you drive for the restaurant say you're outside and then someone will walk the pizza out to you that doesn't sound like any safer than them just coming into the building uh i think it's just more they're not contaminating the physical premises yeah and i think it's more about like this is still a way to stay open, but doing these measures, like a lot of people are just going to stop ordering, right? Because they're like, oh, I just wanted a slice. I don't want a full pizza. Okay, never mind. I'm pretty sure that's what Frank's is doing. Like Frank's, from what I read like, on a post they made online, is like they've been delivering food to people. Yeah. I mean, we are open business as usual, but like we've just removed salt shakers from tables, sanitizing things more often. Um, it's about it. Really. Yeah, yeah, kind of same with us. But we don't gotta talk about the coronavirus because we're not CNN. We're a film podcast, which kind of related actually. If the coronavirus does hit, and I gotta stay home for two weeks. I'm very much looking forward to watching all those Michael Mann movies. Getting ready. Hmm. We could break the record if all three of us end up being quarantined we could break the record for longest record 52 hours <laughs> just do it for days just on end live stream live <laughs> until we break the record pull like a pull like an eric cartman from south park Lisa, Lisa, bathroom. the longest, bathroom. The longest <laughs> podcast like audio only is 52 hours that's nothing. We got two weeks. Yeah, we could try. We can give it a couple test runs. We'll get a little further and further each time. 
And then we'll almost get to the length of our Oscar episode. Theoretically, we could record for 336 hours. Are you saying just leave it run? No, we could. Just let it run, but you just don't say anything on it? That's... We take nap breaks, like two people are talking while the other person just zonked out with their headphones on. Oh, that's a good idea. So it's always two people on. You can take shifts. I truly believe we would run out of things to talk about before we hit 24 hours. We could come up with it. We could do so many lists. We could talk about certain things. That takes preparation. We'd have to sit there and like prep while we're on air. Do it on the fly. So that way you got to think about it and you're just... Maybe there's 30 minutes of dead silence while you're thinking, but <laughs> you come back with an we answer. Could make Chris do his top 100 live on air, and then oh just ridicule God. him for all his choices. Yeah, that's, you would that's, too. That would that would easily take like that would be hours. good. I would need to have like I would need to have stop breaks. Like you two would have to hold the show for a while so I could go like shout shit shower and shave. Just decompress. And decompress, just like try not to jump out of your apartment. Then we could get guests. Chris, like we get, we, we could, know they're we fucking assholes. We know. Here. We could talk. She could talk about things. She could talk about the TV shows and movies she's been watching since she has thirty days off. Dude, like, why is Alyssa the only one? Why can't we have Amy we or, could, or like, Rachel? That's the thing. She's never been on the show before, so we could be like, <laughs> we could all take been breaks for the last sixty-four weeks. We could all take breaks and just put Rachel, Amy, and Alyssa on and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Screw it. Oh, fuck. That'd be funny. We'll talk about it. If this happens, we could talk about it. There's so many <laughs> ideas that could be done. We could talk about it. This could Alyssa. be good. Alyssa, where's dinner? You got dinner ready? I could Chris, read your impressions are getting a lot better. There. Oh yeah, no. Self, uh, Eric Cartman has always been a pretty standard one for me. Ma'am, ma'am, madam, madam. That's like your only go-to. Yeah. No, no. I can do. I can do like the high-pitched squealy one. Like, no, kitty, that's magic in papa. Can do the high one. God. All right, so let's talk Easy Rider, directed by Dennis Hopper. Chris, you want to tell us why you picked Easy Rider as your next nomination? Because motorcycles are fucking cool, dude. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, I actually wrote down a couple reasons. I'll read them verbatim as Please? I wrote them. Its ideas are timeless. It only cost $400,000 to make at the time, and it raked in $60 million worldwide, which translates Sorry, to... H- how much money did you say? Huh? How much did you say it was made for? Uh, current day standards, almost $3 million. No, no, no. The budget of the movie. Did you say 4000 400000 400, Oh, okay. I thought you said 4000 I was going to say it. that's incorrect. No, it was four hundred thousand dollars, and it made sixty million, which it was the third highest grossing movie of that year, and it beat out all the big budget movies besides like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and something else. Um, it's the epitome of freedom in cinematic form. 
It has beautiful landscape shots. It was Jack Nicholson's big Have break. Have you seen this before? Uh, okay. Once. Um, I could watch those two riding individually. I could watch those two riding their motorcycles together. Just shots of them not talking, just with music playing in the background for the entire movie, and I would have been satisfied. <clears throat> the writing for the campfire scenes were fantastic. Um, it's just got that X factor. The graininess does this movie well, don't justice. Don't blow through your talk now. It just sounds like you're getting into a review. Well, I'm just like you asked me why I thought it should be this, so I'm just listing my points. And it has a great soundtrack. All right, we get it. So you, it has. It does have a great soundtrack. It has historical significance. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Let's see here. Before you keep going, Chris, we'll say that Easy Rider is directed by Dennis Hopper. It stars Peter Fonda, Dennis, Har- Dennis Hopper, Jack Nicholson, and plot synopsis is through the open country and desert lands, two bikers head from L.A. to New Orleans, and along the way meet a man who bridges a counterculture gap they are unaware of. So I guess continue, Chris. Kick it away. Um, Just big fan of the movie. I thought that there was nothing super superb about the performances, and I'm very willing to admit that. I mean, I thought Jack Nicholson did a great job, but I thought that from what I'd listened to, <laughs> what the fuck is your deal? My favorite thing about this is that this is a movie that you're trying to get into our Hall of Fame of movies, the best of the best, and you're just starting by saying... Yeah, I mean, I recognize that these performances really aren't that great, like, and they're nothing special. Like, I just, I just like that you are choosing movies that you, at your heart, believe to be mediocre, but are trying to elevate them into the <laughs> status. I in no, I in no way, shape, or form think this movie is mediocre. Okay. I think this movie is excellent. I just think its strengths lie in other places. All right. Uh, I have listened to multiple interviews from multiple people, and they have said that at the time, this probably was the most accurate depiction of what uh, the hippie culture was about, because many people tried to fake it before, but this one actually hit home with people of that culture. Um, And I thought that was pretty significant. I thought that given the budget they had, they did incredible things with it. Like I said... It is literally the epitome of freedom in a movie, and I think that that is a very hard thing to capture. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? Incredibly, they literally just do whatever they want when they want. They get tossed into shenanigans without any context as to them doing it. They just do it because they choose to do it. Like every situation is just them just choosing to do it because they're going with the flow. Sounds like trash humpers. I haven't seen trash trash humpers. humpers. That's the true epitome of freedom. <laughs> and you guys love trash humpers, so. Trash humpers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I guess I can jump in here and say it. this was a first time watch for me. Something I've been definitely wanting to watch for a long time. Uh, inis- initially disappointed that there weren't a lot of boobs in it, like the pornographic hmm. Easy Rider. But once I got over that. Um, I was kind of hoping this would just be a visualization of the magazine. Yeah, I kind of just kept. I kind of just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. It didn't come. That's all right. 
They didn't come, but now they're to die. But that's all right. I'm oh, sorry. That diminishes <laughs> the viewing for you. Yeah, so that took it down a little bit. <laughs> no, oh, I. Uh, gosh. I liked. Uh, I liked it too. I can't say that I like love it. That it's wild about it. That it's my favorite movie or anything of the sorts. But um, I did like it quite a bit. Um, I kind of agree, Chris. It is a good representation of. Uh, characters living free and in the moment, though not as well as Trash Humpers, but not everyone can be as, you know, as crafty as Harmony Corinne. That's okay, though. It's hard It's hard to capture a dude literally humping Sometimes a trash it's hard like, to you know? comprehend such levels of freedom, but you can try in classics such as Easy Rider. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, um, my gosh. I do enjoy quite a bit of just them out on bikes, roaming around, listening to some Steppenwolf, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, you can't go wrong there. Some A lot of the mountain shots I think are beautiful. Uh, I'll definitely echo what you say, Chris, that some of the campfire scenes are quite entertaining. Uh, definitely offer some good humorous moments. Um... <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I did quite a bit. That's all I gotta say. That's how I'm gonna start it. Zaka, what do you have to say about Easy Rider? Um, I'll start with an analogy. Easy Rider for me is a bit like the. Sorry, Beatles. Chris, you're fucked. Sorry, oh, Chris, you're fucked. Yeah, I know. Anytime he starts off slow and he says, "All right, well, let it's- me uh, do this real quick." They're they're a bit like the Beatles for me, yeah. which is that I really respect what they did, but it's not for me. Like, sorry, bud. I I recognize it happens. Don't worry about what it. What does that make me? Was that make me like? Was that gonna make you two for five? Am I gonna be two whoa, for five whoa, after whoa. this? I, we haven't voted yet, so calm down. <laughs> Chris, I already saw a star rating. You're um, not looking good, bud. I this is largely considered to be like one of the first independent films made, and really and first independent you know, American film groundwork. Right, which is all I care about, and it really like set the groundwork for like what you could kind of do for very little money, and I respect that about the movie, and you know. You know how like you hear all these great things about a movie, and then you watch it and you can't help but feel underwhelmed. That is almost exactly my viewing experience here. I don't I don't dislike the movie. I don't love the movie. It just seemed like there's lots of lots of meandering, and I was never enjoying it that much. For some films, that really works. And I think here it, it doesn't. And I think it's largely to do with what Chris mentioned with the performances really aren't that great. And the characters are really not that interesting either. That is the problem when you have a movie that's like basically 90, uh, 99% character driven and just simply sort of meander, as you say, Zach, from point to point. You really have to have like all these moments that happen campfire scenes um hanging out with the hippies at their commune the restaurant scene uh, you know all these things that you bounce it around you have to be very very invested into them take the masterpiece trash humpers for example 
You get. You get. Side, you get smashing of glass. You get literal trash humping. You get pranking at night in the dark, spooking people. You get. So basically, what you're saying is this movie isn't good because it doesn't you get have lawn, any you boobs. You get lawnmowers. Any you get trash humping. Chugging beer and driving around on lawnmowers. You know, iconic moments that really stick with you and fill <laughs> fill the time. Gosh, dude. I, I would struggle to even say this is character driven because like for something most character driven movies you spend the whole movie with that character you learn things about them but like we learn nothing about these people they're driven to do literally nothing and like this is why like that is just the issue that I have like if you're it's fine for your main goal in the movie to be something small like just making it to New Orleans for Mardi Gras that's fine, but like I feel like nothing that they get into along the way is all that interesting. Like it what? just seems like you don't think yeah, that like, meeting the hippie commune is kind of interesting. No, it's pretty no. boring. I I can't deny that it, it is quite boring. I would I would dull. say a large chunks of this movie are just boring. Like there should have been more of Peter nah. Fonda like really fucking some of these chicks. Like just like or like more. <laughs> Like ass, like ass prints they, on the back of his. They really bike. get into. They really get into like, the drugs and stuff they do, but they don't do anything interesting with it. They just are doing it, like. I, That's what I like bad about trip it. I've seen, but like. You know well, they're constantly under the influence, and yet this is the most interesting thing that they can do is like sit around a campfire, or go to a diner, or like get their motorcycle fixed at this commune where it's still nothing that interesting happens like for people that are so free and open like they're the most boring people that you could have filmed i'm kind of down with that though that's the thing that i like about the movie is that there's is not a whole lot to like pay attention to besides just just doing what you do dude just watching the this classic masterpiece road trip bicycle or uh motorcycle movie wild hogs they that's they, a movie i could they run it you know yeah. they're four guys out of their element trying to go across country yeah. one last for one last hurrah we're talking Listen, getting right. involved with rival bike gangs uh we're talking you know we're cutting we're cutting brake lines and fluid lines for bikes We've got a homosexual scene where some guy wants to really get it on with all four of them yeah. inside of a hot spring. We've got five, we got, um, I think there's a penis in there at one point. I think there's, uh, <clears throat> is there a penis in there? Somebody grabs somebody's penis and oh, they, by accident, right? And they're <laughs> like, "Wow, are there shrimp in here?" Oh, that's right. And it turns out it's to like be the guy who's like they're playing Marco Polo together. See, that's hilarious hijinks. And, like, it's hard to, you know, go up against anything that has Tim Allen in it, if I'm going to be honest. So it's it's a hard comparison. I felt picking Wild Hogs would have been too easy to get into the Hall of Fame. Tim Allen, uh, William H. Macy, and who's the fourth guy? Mm. Martin Lawrence. Is it Martin Lawrence? Is it Martin Lawrence? Yeah, he's in that. Oh, shit. Shut up. 
No, I'm 100% serious. Like, he was in yeah, that Yeah, Martin Lawrence. Fuck. Yeah, see, I almost wish I... I almost wish I had... Double build Easy Rider with Wild Hogs. Like, it's, it, it it's might still also a possibility. Fingers for a quarantine. <laughs> it, it's, it's certainly possible that this is more of like... You know, we're just of the wrong time to truly appreciate this movie. Because, like, for 1969, maybe it pushes a lot of boundaries. But watching this movie in 2020, like, it's pretty tame. Other than the fact that they use real drugs on set. Like, other than that, there's nothing that they do in this movie that I haven't seen, like, taken to the 10th degree past that since then. I mean, I wouldn't imagine that this movie was meant to be controversial. Like, definitely some of the ideas were challenging to what was happening at the time, but I wouldn't say that that was really the point of the movie. I, well, was was to push people buttons. I'm just saying I don't think it was meant to, you know, really shove it in people's face that they're pushing buttons. Like, I definitely think that is the point of the movie to push a button, but I think it was more in a way of just like, yeah, I mean, we're just we're just saying this because we're just doing what we want. It's not a, we're just, we're saying this because we're trying to fight back, you know? Well, to get to your point, Zach, I feel like the point of the movie was to sort of shed light on what, I think there was sort of this divide where they thought that they were living life the right way when other people are, you know, living it this very focused, one way sort of, uh, What's the word? Well, you can boil. Sorry, you can boil it. You can, you can boil the whole point of the movie down to like literally what Jack Nicholson says is around the fire that one time. It's like when they're when he's sitting there and he's just like, he's like, yeah, everybody says here that they're free, but when they see real freedom, you know, everybody starts to go a little crazy, and that makes them dangerous. They get aggressive. And, like, you can literally boil the whole movie into that one conversation. Other than that, you're just, like, watching these guys do a couple things, and I thought it looked great. So I guess you could – I suppose you could make the argument that it's, like, they do nothing and it seems very tame because maybe hippies at the time really were not that wild as people were making them out to be. That they're not these, like, crazy, like, sex fiends. They're not these insane drug users. They're just – Mm, I disagree because the movie is trying to play it both sides. Like, the movie is showing you, like, the rampant drug use and the free love and just having sex with anybody. But then you also is trying to toe the line of maybe they aren't that crazy. Like, it it dips its toe in both without it's not like, really, it's not like I don't think it's toe in both. I think they're just both coexisting. It's not that like rampant. The, like they're doing drugs and they were having sex, but like when you watch, you know, other representations of that culture, it's mostly just like that's all they're doing, that's all they're focused on, that they're they're very excessive to those points, but I think they're literally just trying to go with the flow and they do drugs cuz they like it. And if they happen to have find a person that wants to have sex with them, they have that sex because they're literally just being free, doing exactly what they want when but they want. Like the so everything is meshing. But it's not like the thing. characters like hook up with anyone. Well, no, but like the possibility is there to do it if they want to. Who do they hook up with? There's literally that 
scene on the bad acid trip, like that is intercutting oh, between right. a sex scene and whatever else is cutting between. Is it? It's remember. not. It's not Fonda. It's the other guy. Hmm. Okay, I guess I don't remember really. It's the director. But you were talking about some ramp. You were talking about some rampant drug use. This is this doesn't even hold a candle to fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Oh my gosh, <laughs> a masterpiece saying, where like, they sit there and about, complain about bats. Yeah, for a movie about people that are like tr- the the truly free people. Like, if that's what being truly free is, like, I'm all set, dude. Like, your life looks pretty fucking boring. Well, I think I think they're just saying being truly free is doing what you want all the time, and that's what they want to do, so they do it. It's just a sure. representation of a couple people doing what they want to do, I, and that's what I appreciate about the movie. I just wish they would have actually done something more. Like the beginning is great when they fucking are doing the coke and selling sell drugs, drugs and smuggling drugs across the border. That's cool. I like all the stuff like with the motorcycles and them riding motorcycles and all the the cinematography is really nice, and I like all the the scenery and shit they show, but. And, ter- and I'm fine with a completely plotless movie. Like, that's not something that bothers me. But it's like, the movie seems like it takes 90 minutes to end up in the exact same place that it starts. And without me really feeling like I gained anything from it. I will say that I enjoyed Peter Fonda way more than I enjoyed Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper is obnoxious, but I think Jack Nicholson is the best of the three. Yes, I will say he is the he is the best. This is like his first real role, right? The first big one that brought yes. him to to stardom. Yes. Launched Jack Nicholson onto the scene. Well, Chinatown was the year after, and I would argue that probably is what launched him onto the scene. I mean, wouldn't didn't he, couldn't he have gotten this role because of or gotten Chinatown because of this? Mm. Maybe, but I mean, it still isn't what launched him. I will say... Dude, he got an Oscar nod for this role. Yeah. I will say... Lupita Nyong'o has won an Oscar. Did that? Did you think that movie launched her career? Who? Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, she's dude. Star she was War. in you Oz. Think, you think... She was her? in a Hulu special. No, 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 no. We're talking about the movie that launched her career. Like, you think when people think Lupita Nyong'o, they go, Ah, oh, 12 Years a Slave. That's right. I bet if you tell somebody that Lupita Nyong'o was in 12 Years a Slave, they would know who you're talking about. Right, but the point isn't, like, that's not the point of launching someone's career. That I is mean, you that's... telling them that they are in that movie. Yeah, but that's not saying that, you know, that's their defining movie in their career. Like, if somebody, you go up to somebody say Lupita Nyong'o, they're going to be like, oh, the girl from Us. But if you go up and you go like, oh, Jack Nick. One could say, one could say that that would be the movie that launched her career into something You else. could say that that's the star, that's what people most recognize. I would think of launching. Like, if you go up to Jack Nicholson, if you say Chinatown is the one that people are going to recognize him from, I'm going to tell her that you're dead wrong. People are going to recognize him from The Departed. People are going to recognize him from many okay, of the, the countless roles that he's done. I would career. say launching. That's what I'm saying. Is that's his most recognizable? I would role. say something that launches your career is like what something that got you going to be in the next stuff that got you like the popularity. I really don't care if this is the movie that launched Jack Nicholson's career. Oh, now he doesn't care anymore because his argument doesn't hold water. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, I still don't care what oh, you guys okay. say. 
My question to you then, Chris, if this is a huh. movie about being free and being whoever you really want to be and doing whatever you want to do, what do you think the ending says about that? It says that there are people who aren't really tolerant of other people living the lives a different way than them. Yeah, I would say that there are people who will always try to stop that from happening. But they are successful. Because it, feel, because it feels like it's a challenge to their own, you know, feelings of what freedom is. It just, it seems like... I don't. I dislike. I think it was all supposed. I, I feel like it was all much. supposed to act as sort of like a wake up call, kind of, to like people. I think it's like an exclamation point, sort of not not being like, "Hey, go kill hippies," but kind of like, "Hey, why don't you all chill because you're acting ridiculous for nothing." Who is it saying that to? I guess it'd be the big people who would see this, right? Because this this reached a lot of people. A lot of people saw it. No, no, like, which part of society would it be saying that to? Like, the people who dislike yeah, so be the, Yeah, I guess it would be the... So they're the, the counter-cult... They represent the counter-culture, so I guess the, quote, culture would be against them. But this movie, the way it's depicted by the end, is the dominant culture squashing the counter-culture. Which, if you were making a movie yeah. literally, the I mean, counter-culture, that's, I don't see why it would I mean, end it literally that ends that way. I don't think it's supposed to be celebrating the counterculture. I think it's supposed to be using them as a tool. No, I think it's definitely celebrating counterculture. Well, that's the whole thing. That's like the big thing. I guess so. I mean, it's not what I pulled from it, but I could understand given the time that it could be sort of a celebration. But I think that there are deeper things coming out of that movie beyond what was being planted at the time. Because like that's why least, I'm saying I don't think there's anything deep in this movie. I don't think it allows itself to have anything deep to say. I think there were specific moments where you're supposed to pull things from. I just don't think that I you think, register. I feel those like the whole story so is supposed to sort of be a representation of like what was happening in the world. That there were people, there were people just trying to do their own thing, and there were people that didn't like that, so we're trying to take them down. So I think like the, I feel like, well, so I feel like, like what the movie is saying is like. Is they're laying out this entire story from you know start to finish and saying, this this path that we're following, this is how it is. But we're asking, but because you spend so much time with the characters, I think what it's trying to get at is it's asking you or telling you, hey, like these people aren't as crazy as you think it is. So like this is what's happening, but it's insane that it's happening this way, because it's not what it's. You're, it, they're not. These people are not who you're making them out to be. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think they address the negative side of, like, the movement that was going on when they get to that kind of... When they get pick the guy up on the motorcycle and they drop him off at that commune place, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? And, and they're looking at these people and they're just like, they're going to stay here until, you know, plants start to grow. Like, they're so ingrained with the idea that they're going to be different and they're going to do what they want so hardcore to the point where they're willing to screw themselves basically because they're trying to grow crops in the mm-hmm. desert you know and i think they address that pretty well and i don't think it can go toe-to-toe with every single other event that takes place but i definitely think that that's a prevalent part of the yeah. movie 
Yeah, I mean, I think Zach's a fucking idiot. I think he's an idiot, too. He's so obsessed with the literal. What was an invisible man he couldn't get past? He kept he kept taking it as literal. Oh, the, the suit. About, yeah, what was it like? What's something to do with the brother or something? Oh, he no, he hated the brother, but he took his anger out on the yeah, suit. Yeah, he couldn't, couldn't get past it. So literal. It's like, I don't... <laughs> Oh, hey, Zach. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> I'm down with it. I like this movie. Yeah. Uh, like I said, like I like it, but... I mean, I think but Zach definitely brings up some good points that it's... I think it's on the right track. It just feels like it needed like a little bit more. I like the craft of the movie. I really like the direction and how it's shot and the visuals and a lot of the editing techniques. I just don't like, I just wasn't interested, I guess, in the story that it's trying to tell. I will say that the, the, the editing thing that they would do where they would like, before they cut to a scene, it would do like three quick cuts of it. And then it would transition to the scene. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That I kind of like that. Do you think that was literally just nobody's edits, edits this way? So I'm going to edit that way. I think it is also mimicking, like, um, like, just the experimental nature of the movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No one did it that way, so let's just try this way. I do really like Peter Fonda's motorcycle. Oh, their motorcycles are iconic, dude. The costuming. And, and I, the... I do like the soundtrack well, I will a lot. say, I will say. They introduce at the very beginning, but they pick up the hitchhiker, that they're storing cash in a tube that they stuff in the gas tank, but that never comes up again. That was kind of a squandered opportunity to do something with that. Yeah, I guess so. No, it was. It was. Believe me, just take him for it. It was. <laughs> I also like. Just You're right, Jake. I'm sorry. I didn't mean yeah, to. Like... I didn't mean to challenge also you, I apologize. I found it kind of strange that, like, Jack Nicholson literally gets beat to death, and they're like, I guess we should send his possessions to his family. All right, let's keep going to Mardi Gras. Like, <laughs> that was that, would, like, that was a very <laughs> odd tonal shift, you're correct. <laughs> yeah. That that wouldn't somehow make them stop and be like, maybe, maybe we should do this first, and then if there's time, <laughs> we go to Mardi Gras. But then, don't they justify it as oh, like man. he would have really wanted? He would have really wanted. wanted us to go to Mardi Gras. So, well, like they, well, like they took mon- the money from his wallet and they kept going, and then they went and got that dinner, or they went to like that strip club, or the no, no, it was the um, the brothel, the brothel, the brothel that he said also, to why go they to. Rob him? They had a tube of money in the gas tank. What's a couple more dollars? <laughs> I you know? I mean, also, like the scene where they're sitting around the the campfire. And they're asking Jack Nicholson if he wants to smoke marijuana. And he's like, whoa, I have enough problems with alcohol. This is just going to lead me to do more drugs. And it's like the most forced conversation about marijuana not being a gateway drug that I've ever heard in a movie. I, I I can't remember what song I heard in, but there was a song that sampled that scene. So when he's just like, he's like, you want some? What is that? He's like, it's grass. You mean marijuana? <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> I, I 
heard that in a rap song once, and as soon as I saw that scene, I was like, no fucking way! I was blown away. Is it an Action Bronson song, Easy Rider? No, I don't think so. I mean, it could be in that movie. I want to say it was like... Like a People Under the Stairs song or... Uh, okay. Something like that. I know it's not in the Action Bronson song. He does sample the sound of their motorcycles, but not that. Not that? Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I just did a quick Google of rap song that samples Easy Rider quote, but I didn't get anything except for Action Bronson. Oh, well, we'll never know. We will never well, know. Man, um... Anybody else? And again, I just back to the ending yeah. real quick. Oh, it we're already over that, Zach. We already come s- out of Chris and I figured it out. Come out of nowhere. There are many things in this movie that do s- seem to come out of nowhere. The bludgeoning, the uh, the, the LSD does. trip, yep. the the ending. I feel like even the opening drug yeah. sequence is honestly quite out of nowhere. I don't know, Zach. I guess your just mind is too narrow to what a story can be, so I just <laughs> yes, don't think you picked You're up right. on that. Right. <laughs> oh, that's a bird. What can I say, Chris? When you're right, you're right. <laughs> uh, should we get a star rating for this thing? Yeah. Um, so I started... Uh, at a 3.5, but I have talked myself down to a Ooh. 3. Gosh, Chris? That's a 5 for me. Uh, I'm at a 4. Does it make the Film and Loathing Hall of Fame? Chris? Yes. I'll go yes. Yeah, sure. I'm fine with it being in there. I'm fine what with a, people... What a... Hold on! Don't give me a half-assed a vote. Like, don't you be like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Like, we can that do it. Like, like a pity like, vote. Vote it in because you have reason to vote it in. There's enough... Okay. Unlike Gangs of New York, there's <laughs> enough of this movie that I actually liked where I'm fine voting it in. You're fine there's putting it in. nothing is there I like about reason, Gangs of New York. Is there a reason for you to put it in? And what is that reason? It's this... Uh, to use another analogy, it's the same reason I believe, firmly believe the Beatles belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It laid the groundwork for very monumental without achievements. Without Easy Rider, we do not get Fear and Loathing, we don't get Wild Hogs, and we don't get Trash Humpers. So, <laughs> so. I will vote it in because I, I believe it is basically the same as me voting in Trash Humpers. So, yeah, but... <laughs> By extension. So should we just put like an asterisk next to this? And just put like Easy Rider, asterisk, Trash Humpers? By extension, it's getting into the Hall of Fame. Alright. I know if Chris were to actually watch that movie, he would give it a one, and it wouldn't get in. (laughs) So this is the closest I will get. One of these days, guys. One of these days. It's true because it it just turned ten years old. So yep, it's now eligible. Shit, does that mean I'm gonna have to watch Trash Humpers? You might. Oh boy, you should just watch it anyways to open up your mind. 
Oh, fuck. You know what I didn't watch this week? I didn't watch that Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Oh, that's a bummer, man. Jackie G? It's on my that's list. That's right. I didn't get... Did you watch the Mark Maron special? Huh? Did you watch the new Mark Maron special? No, but it's on my list, too. I just added it today. He's a funny dude, dude. Uh, who wants to start us off with what we watched this week? Um... You can. You want me to start it off? I got. Go for it. Did you I got two watch things it? I watched. Uh, I'll go back to a classic from 2000, directed by uh, I can't remember what his name is. Seneca. Seneca something. Seneca. Seneca. Oh, I was way off. Dominic Sena. That's who it was. Uh, that's a stars, name. That's uh, a stars fucking Nicolas name, Cage too. and Angelina Jolie from 2000. Anybody guess it? Um, Gone in 60 Nailed seconds. it. I watched Gone in 60 Seconds. And boy, let me tell you, Chris, what a ride. Were Without you? Without Easy Rider, there's no Gone in 60 Seconds. <laughs> easy. I, I'm sorry. I need a second opinion on that one. <laughs> yeah, he's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll also say that the cars in Gone in 60 Seconds just do it for me a lot more than... The motorcycles of Easy Rider. Oh my gosh, dude! But that American flag motorcycle. Oh. In the helmet. Oh, I, oh! I, one thing I didn't forgot to mention about Easy Rider: Jack Nicholson's helmet in it is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like when they're in the diner and they're like, he's like, "Well, guys, maybe we should get out of here." And he stands up and he's got that fucking helmet on. Amazing. <laughs> but mm. on to Gone in sixty seconds. There's a lot to like about Gone in 60 Seconds. There's a lot not to like about Gone in 60 Seconds. I can't think of a single thing. Well, Zach, since you said that, let's start with the things not to like about it. The bad guy in the movie. Completely unnecessary, first off. Very much underdeveloped. Not intuitive. At no point in the movie do you ever feel afraid of the bad guy. Like there's all these like talks about how you don't he's like the wrong guy that I want to piss off. You don't ever get a sense of that in the movie whatsoever. So I feel like there's definitely better reasons why they need to steal 50 cars in a night. Which that leads me to my second problem, stealing 50 cars in a night. It's a great idea. I love the idea. I just wish you got to spend more time stealing cars. Like, there's so many of them that are kind of just randomly... Like there's a montage of just getting crossed off a board, spending very few moments with these cars. I want to see more car-stealing, Chris. I was thinking but the same thing. that takes me to what I love. The car-stealing, Chris. It's amazing. <laughs> Eleanor? That's a sexy car. I want Eleanor. I love the idea mm. of referring to cars by like different names like women's names so that they like don't catch any attention on the police scanners i love that idea i actually like the toned down nicholas cage um if you subtract the freak out that happens in mandy it might be the most toned down nicholas that would probably be the more toned down nicholas cage it's right up there so i like that quite a bit um really not a fan of angelina jolie i'm not a fan of the cast in general to be honest with you like they're not bad but that they could be better 
like to start with, I don't really buy the brotherhood, like the brothers of, um, of uh, whatever the fuck their names are, Kip and Memphis. I don't know. I, I'm not really buying it. Angelina Jolie is not that great. Her hairstyle is terrible with those white girl braids. But all that aside, Chris, it's still a soft spot. This is something I watched. I think Zach and I, we watched it a lot as kids, for sure. I remember. Um, so you guys watched a lot of Angelina Jolie when you're. Yeah, kids. I guess there's Dawn of Sixty Seconds, there's Tomb Raider. One and two. Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider 2. Tomb Raider 2, Cradle to the Grave. Cradle of Life. What is it? See, the fact that you Cradle of Life, the fact that you know the title of it, though. Oh, I've, I, I will that not speaks lie. Volumes. I love them, and I'm very much looking forward to picking them up on 4K when there's a slight price drop. <laughs> Speaking of movies I watched a lot as a kid and cannot wait for the 4K release, Mask of Zorro coming out. Whew. I just watched the VHS I cannot tape. wait. Till that comes out. Did that just go on Netflix? Yes, it did. See, I'm being the Lord is testing me. And knew I saw on <laughs> Blu-ray.com that 4K is coming out. And the night I find that out, I go on. There's the Mask of Zorro, <clears throat> just tempting me, you hold tempting off? me to watch it. Um, all in all, though, I really enjoyed my rewatch of Gone in 60 Seconds. I, now I don't need to watch it for another. 10 years and I'm good it's true how many things do you have Chris um I have three but I could easily do two <laughs> always you could always easily do one less obviously but like you guys don't even want to hear it I'm pretty sure the audience doesn't even want to hear what it what is so. it I watched the first episode of Ugly Delicious. You're right. You're yeah, right. I don't Move want on. to hear the new season. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I'll, I'll condense these then. Uh, so the first thing I watched uh, is from 1940, directed by Joe May. Uh, it's The Invisible Man Returns, which Jeez. would be the... You're on a kick, dude. It's... I watched all of them. <laughs> the one I, I have mean... left is Abbott and Costello Meet the Invisible Man. How many are there? Uh, Wait, Elvis and Costello seven. meet the Invisible Man? Not Elvis Costello. <laughs> Elvis Costello. Costello. <laughs> <laughs> this jazz musician just hang out with the Invisible Man. Honestly, it would fit Whoa, his outfit. Where's that sexy bass coming from? That'd <laughs> <laughs> oh, be fucking funny. Uh, so this one is about... A, oh boy, I'm like a week removed from it. Let's see if I can remember. Um, so it's about this man who becomes invisible. <laughs> and, um, crazy he's, dude. He's, uh, oh, that's right. He's on, he's set to be hanged for the murder of, I think it's his brother. Is it, is it hanged and or hung? It's hanged. But he is hung. A person is hanged. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he suspects, well, I mean, he knows he's innocent, but he, he thinks he knows who did it, so he becomes invisible while he kind of tries to figure out how to prove his innocence. How does he become invisible? He takes a 
serum. He's right. injected with something. Um, yeah, I mean, this one's... It's, it's, it's pretty good. It's not great. Uh, it kind of just retreads some of the same ground as the original. Um, I still think the effects are pretty good. Um, but it's, it's, it's nothing that I would run out to see. Um, next I watched from 1940, directed by A. Edward Sutherland, uh, The Invisible Woman. So this is about, uh, this kind of, like, playboy who is, like, kind of, like, running out of money. And for whatever reason... In his guest house is a crazy scientist that just lives there. And. That's not that funny. No! No, I'm sorry! Something completely unrelated. Yeah. Keep Would going. Would you care to share? I, I'm looking at my dad's, my dad's video he said to me earlier. Dude, is that. Let me ask you something. I'm sorry! I'm sorry! Is that. Given that most things are being pulled from theaters, is that what we should be doing? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> well, like, he wore a white t shirt and, like, red shorts. I really want to respond. I had to wear the white t shirt, huh? <laughs> Gosh. Or should I say, like, I didn't know churches had wet yeah. t-shirt contests. That's a good one. You could just simply, you could just simply ask him, um, of all the people who were baptized, which one won the wet t-shirt contest? <laughs> you also could just post the link to the Tim and Eric video of gonna make your bub-bubs bounce i was about to say did you not think that people's bub-bubs would be bouncing too hard at the church <laughs> gosh i gotta say something i'm sorry you got you talk about the invisible man I'll think anyways the invisible woman well this the invisible oh woman. dang so this um kind of uh, playboy type figure has the scientist who just lives in his guest house and this, the guy thinks he has come up with something that will make them a fortune. And so we post an ad in the paper for a volunteer for a scientific experiment. And the only response he gets is from a lady. And he turns her invisible. And this one is the first to kind of veer away from like the horror aspect of the invisible man it's it's much more of like a kind of a straightforward comedy and yeah you know, it's pretty it's pretty good i think there's some interesting stuff with the the gender switch which is like they now are super concerned that she has to be naked to like do the transformation and i think what's interesting is that like she's kind of i guess like an early kind of like feminist figure or c could be like, she works for a department store as a dress model, and, like, she really stands up for herself and, like, doesn't want to be treated a certain way. And so when she becomes invisible, the first thing she does is, like, torments her boss to make them treat, make him treat the other ladies nicer and not be such a jerk all the time. 
Um, where the movie loses it for me is there's this subplot of these mobsters who want to steal. So also, first of all, this is not, there's no serum in this one. It's done with like electrical currents, turns them invisible. And there's this, these Mexican mobsters who want to steal the machine so that they can make their boss invisible so that he can like return home because he's wanted or something like that. And that's when it's like, oh boy, okay. This really came out of left field. There definitely should have been a Mexican mob in the one we watched last week. That would have been great. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's harmless fun. It's, it's not great by any means. It's not bad. It's a bit like Easy Rider. Hmm. Harmless say. fun. Before the, before there was Easy Rider, there was the Invisible Woman. Nice. Nice. There wouldn't be Easy Rider without the Invisible Woman. It's true. Uh, what do you got, Chris? Yeah, Chris, your turn. All right, I'm up. Um, I watched, uh, Summer with Monica. Um, it was my first Criterion that I watched. Uh, it was really interesting. It's different than anything that I'm really used to, because I don't really watch too many, like, old-timey movies that are black. I don't even know what this is, so tell me all about it. Uh, it's about... It's in Swedish. And it's in Swedish. I was okay with that. I didn't have a problem with it. There was a couple things... That were a little off for me, but uh, um, it's about this uh, man and this woman who they both are tired and fed up with their jobs, and the guy's dad has a boat, so what they decide to do is they take the boat, and they basically steal it, and they go off, and they basically live off of this island for like a month, or it probably isn't even a month, it's probably like a week or something. But they decide that they want to stay there and do it, but then she finds out she's pregnant, and they have to hightail it back to society and get back to the old grind and the nitty-gritty. And They have this pristine relationship when they're on the island, but when they get back, things start to get a little Hmm. dicey. Okay. Sounds interesting. It is it's it, it is interesting. Um, I thought that he does a really good job with kind of isolating the characters at two specific points when he gets, it does a lot with lighting in it because like it's black and white that's how you kind of like get a good effects um but when they're looking at or like a close-up on their face and then it's literally just a light shining on their face and everything behind them is black that was kind of cool how they isolated that and then they had an odd kind of transition into their memories of what the ideal point was which was cool um i thought they did a good job at creating a villain or not a villain, but like creating a bad guy in the situation. When I don't know, I would say that there wasn't really a bad guy. I was a skunk. Um, Wait, so let me get this straight. So these <clears throat> people get go away to a island. Yes, they have a great grand old time. They're madly in love. She gets pregnant. They have to come back and then be back in society, basically. Yeah. Well, they get like uh, they don't want to go back, but like they need to support this child they can't right. just you know steal food so it and sounds stuff like if you don't have someone with monica you don't get the plot line of anakin and padme yeah wow <laughs> sure, sure. Burnman, you're really making these the connections i know i'm on fire tonight with these connections <laughs> oh shit 
Um, I thought it was really good, though. There was one part I was thrown back by, and it could have just been the translation from uh, Swedish to English in the cap in the fucking subtitles, but there was a point in time where she enters his house for the first time, picks up a photo, and looks at his mom and goes, oh, um, who's this? And he was like, that's my mom. She died when I was eight. And then she goes, oh, poor you. And then she just sets the picture down and keeps going. I'm like... What? And that very well could be a character thing because she ends up being very selfish. She is a little whiny brat. Is it funny? Is it like one of his comedies? There are points in time where it's funny for sure. But it ends on a very like real note. Uh, but it was really interesting. I would definitely watch a couple of his other things. Like, I thought it was cool in this movie where they showed, like... I had never seen this in any other, like, old-timey movies that I saw, but you know how in a lot of movies what they'll do is they'll, like, do setup shots where they'll show something from their environment, and then they'll show another thing from their environment, and then they'll cut back to the story? Like, when they're going through the woods, he cut to a spider, and then he shows a shot from the trees going up towards the sun, and then he had this... uh, sequence where she was running through the woods with a pot roast she stole from a local family and i thought that was a really cool sequence um i'd watch it again but i'm gonna try and see a little bit more about him see what i can learn all in all i really i I liked it i'm not crazy for it i think it's something that i personally have to get used to but you know nice well glad you stepped out of your comfort zone yeah, I mean, I'm definitely trying to do that a lot more lately. Oh, dude, you should watch Cries and Whispers. Watch what? Cries and Whispers. What's that? Also directed by Ingmar Bergman. That's probably his most famous work, I would say. Probably. Most well-known. Well, like, the thing is, is I was, what is it? Like, I was watching one of those, like, supplementals with this one, and he was saying that, like, they almost had a hard time getting funding for it because at this point in time, this was, like, a racy movie when all you see is, like, her butt at one point, and she herself in this movie is a very sexual figure. It's weird. I was Googling that the other day, like, when the first, like, instance of nudity was in a movie. It's a lot earlier than you might imagine. In this one, you see butt and you see side. Was it in the 30s, Zach? It was, yeah. Hedy Lamar. What was it called? Her name is Hedy Lamar. She's the one who did it. What's um? What's the context of the nudity? It's non-sexual, though it is a very sexual movie. Okay. But the nudity is non-sexual. The con- Do you know what the context is? No, I haven't. Uh, seen I wouldn't tell me if you just read about it or something. I think it was from, like, 1933. Okay, cool. Well, let's see. I guess uh, the last thing I watched this week, I watched... Um, kind of. I don't know why, but I don't know. But I wanted to watch some war films. So I started off, I watched, uh, from 2001, Ridley Scott's Black Hawk Down. I Easily confused with the porno, but... Yeah, easily can be what black cock down, one black. Of course, I mean it's too black easy. Black cock down one throat. 
Um, I remember liking Black Hawk Down as a teen. As an adult, not so much. I think there when it has like 45, 30, 30 to 45 minutes straight of gunfire in the city after they've kidnapped the people but then are struggling to get out, that's some great stuff. Like, that's some pretty intense moments. A lot of the other stuff surrounding it, like hanging out with the soldiers, like what they're doing in their downtime, a lot of the stuff I'm not interested in. And I think a lot of it is very over-directed. Um, start right off the bat, when you get the opening... Sounds yep, like Ridley When Scott. you get the opening sequence of, like, uh, it's the opening uh, title cards, and it's, like, giving you information and whatnot. It starts out by saying... There's like a plague on a biblical level. Like, like okay, really, Scott, we get it. Like, relax, bud. <clears throat> and then just everything from the music is like insane. It's got like that that that, that choir music. I don't. I feel like it kind of started a trend with like that high pitched. You know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, like from District Nine. District Nine mm-hmm. had it. The Mist has it. Like that, like that thing, just like, like that. Oh, I don't know. It gets a bit much in some of the moments. Jake, was that you in that movie, dude? Yeah. Just out of curiosity, yeah, me out. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'm slightly disappointed, um, but it's all right. Sometimes you got to justify your 4K purchases, right? So. <laughs> You don't need to justify it. So, you know, it, it was worth... One thing, it is too. It is a little too long. <laughs> there it is again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little too long. At theatrical cut at 2 hours and 20 minutes is a bit much, especially when you're not really using it for anything. I was reading online that the original script was a lot more... Um, it was a lot more... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, critical of America's... Um, um, fuck, I can't, can't find my words here. It's very critical of America's involvement in a lot of foreign affairs and such. Um, but I guess when they when they shot the movie and then edited it, they took a lot of that out. And what, you've, what, you, uh, what we see is what we got. So I feel like it really kind of wastes its two-hour and twenty-minute runtime with a lot of nonsense that I just don't think is necessary. I think there's a lot of stuff that could easily be cut, trim this up a little bit, get it down to two hours, and maybe you know, maybe we're maybe we're in business. But uh, good to see Tom Hardy in his first role. That's always fun. I like Tom Hardy quite a bit. Uh, Jared Leto is in it for a little bit. He's he's one of the stuff that could be cut easily. His little moments. But, you know, it's all right. It's, uh, again, I, I have my fill. I don't have to go watch it again for another 10 years now. I'm happy okay. for you. And that's all I got for the week. Me. Me. Pick me. Chris, pick I me. Pick you. I watched the first episode of a No, next. Um, <laughs> I watched uh, Goodwill Hunting. Classic. Oh, God. And I'm not gonna lie, I uh, loved it even more than I loved it before. I don't, I don't think that's, you. that's possible. <laughs> it, 
it uh it's just got that x factor man i don't know what it is about that movie but i freaking love it and i i don't know if i'm ever going to try and put it up for the hall of fame out of fear that it won't get in so i can tell you right now it won't it will one of these days <laughs> one of these days it will but um, now you I understand love it. what I love about Rob Zombie movies. Like, oh you don't really know why, but they just have this X factor that you can't explain. You're just like, boy, Honestly, do I love that. I think the X factor in this movie is uh, Robin Williams. Knew you were going to say that. That man's in fucking credible, dude. Not just in this movie. I mean him as a person. He was incredible. Would I love to have met him. Every Rob Zombie movie would be a 6 out of 5 if it used Rob Zombie's actual music. Like imagine imagine the opening of like Halloween, let's say, and it's like Halloween night. Uh, Michael Myers is getting ready to slaughter his sister and drunk stepdad and in cues Dragula. That'd be great. That would be amazing. <laughs> That'd be so good. As he's like hacking his sister just like, dig through the witches and burn through the witches. That'd be great. Or it's like he's drowning Danny Trejo or like something like that and it's just living dead girl. Oh, That'd be so good. But, like, that scene only lasts probably, okay. like, 30 seconds, so it's only 30 seconds of his song. Right, well, you can play the whole song. It'll work. Okay. <laughs> he just uses his movies to, like, play his albums in the background constantly. The music never stops. He's just trying, to get, subliminal me- <laughs> trying to get subliminal He's messaging like, to get you to buy his music. Like, it, it would work. I'd, I'd fall for it. Or, like, let's say, like, 31... The whole soundtrack could just be him playing Demonoid Phenomena just over and over again. So it's like they're being chased by these crazy murderers and it's just Demonoid Phenomena. It would work. It would work so well. I don't know if it's possible to make a movie where the same song plays throughout the entire movie. Yes, tell tell that to Uh, Harold and Maude. Tell it to Insidious, Chris. Your scariest horror movie ever. They use the Tiny Tim song quite a bit. I mean, like, literally every second of the movie I'm not ah, talking okay. about. <laughs> I'm not talking about. just be like replacing Scott. whatever score you would have with an original Rob Zombie song. Oh, okay. I just want to be sure. I gotta rewatch those soon. I gotta figure out which ones make the top 100 and which ones got cut. How, uh, how's your guys' list coming, by the way? I Ever noticed. going. Ever going, but like, how many do you have? Like a current one hundred right no. now. I got maybe a hundred movies written down to consider, but that keeps growing. <sighs> That's nuts. Well, Chris, if you're done with Goodwill Hunting, I guess I'll move on. You got it. Uh I watched. Let me see. Oh, yeah, I'll talk about this one. Uh, this would be the year 2000. Kevin Bacon steps on the scene 
on the set of a Paul Verhoeven film. Paul Verhoeven is coming off classics like, you know, RoboCop, Total Recall, Starship Troopers, Showgirls, to make a little film called Hollow Oh, you did watch it. Nice. And let me just say, Paul Verhoeven does exactly what you would think Paul Verhoeven would do with an invisible character. It's very, um, you know, there's lots of stuff that makes you very uncomfortable. He, I think Kevin Bacon's good in the movie. I mean, overall, I don't think the movie is very good. Um, but I like Kevin Bacon. There's some, like, some, the visual effects are kind of hit or miss. Some stuff still looks pretty good. Other stuff looks terrible. Um, but, like, the actual, like, becoming invisible stuff still it doesn't look great, but I still like it. I still like that image. Um, and then, you know, there's just lots of stuff. It just seems weird to me that it's like, it's almost like what a 12-year-old boy would do if he became invisible. <laughs> and like, walk into the girl's locker room and, like, this is, like, I can do this now. I'm invisible. Like, that's kind of what it's, like, I'm supposed to, on the one hand, believe Kevin Bacon is this genius scientist and that he comes up with all these crazy things to help the government and like he's a he's a genius that he would also like peek at girls naked because he's invisible like it just seems like a weird line to tear. Yeah, we're gonna say geniuses are freaks and like 25 minutes in Kevin Bacon tells this like tells this joke about like Superman flying over a city and he sees Wonder Woman like naked and he's like really horny so he's like oh I'm Superman I could just get in there really quick be done she'll never know so he goes he does it and Wonder Woman goes what the fuck is that and the invisible man goes I don't know but my ass sure hurts (laughs) and like once you hear that joke you kind of know exactly the type of movie totally (laughs) It's like, that's funny. You know, it's not done in like a very aggressive way, but he does sexually assault yep. someone, and then just like keeps going about his day. Yeah, because Superman like, fucked the Invisible Man, dude. That's is this. It just seems like if you became invisible, is this really what you would be doing? Like, it seems like the the Invisible Man movies that I've been watching like actually attempt to use that idea. To like go about what people might actually do, whereas like I don't believe that anyone would do anything Kevin Bacon does in this movie. Like it just makes no sense. It seems like all of his goals are sexually driven. Right, pretty much. And it's like, you know, what would the first thing I would do if I was invisible? I don't think I have an answer for you, but I don't think it would be like going in and spying on some girl as she takes a shower like i wouldn't I, no that's not the first thing i'm gonna do first thing i do i'm gonna like make sure to take all my clothes off so that nobody can see me i would S- leave my socks on so that like <laughs> you just see the socks walking across the floor <laughs> i'd be badass probably go to the store yeah just like just walk around i would probably just be- start like like floating shit around so people are like what? 
like pick up some like steak in the meat aisle and just go ooh, ooh, ooh. can people hear you if you're the invisible man yeah he still talks to people all right i'd maybe like throw rocks at kids like what the fuck was that as they're getting out of school throw rocks at them <laughs> oh man that would be pretty good i'd go through the drive through it's the first thing I do. <laughs> just you know, they, they just think car. Be, they think everything would be normal, and then you would like get on, get in your car, and be like, "Hey, can I get like a, a Big Mac?" And they'd be like, "Sure." And then you'd pull up, and they'd be like, "Ha ha! This is one of those internet video pranks." And then I'd be like, "What the fuck? Give me my food." <laughs> oh, that'd be hilarious. I think. I think what I would do is I would, like, sit in, like, a Starbucks, right? Yeah. And, like, I would just get a coffee. I would put it down on, like, like, one of the chairs. And I would sit there and I would drink it. And whenever, like, anyone came to try to, like, take my coffee, thinking that it was, like, an empty cup, I would, like, be like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> just, just scare the shit out of that person. <laughs> Yank it back. Or I wouldn't even say anything. I just have a pen and a paper and write stuff down. Just like, what the fuck are you doing? Or like someone tries to sit in your seat and you just like make a big deal about it, like, whoa, watch where you're going. Like I would continue <laughs> to live life as if you weren't invisible. Uh, and can, then just freak you, people out around you. Can you turn invisible and then turn uninvisible, or are you just invisible? No, that's the dilemma of the movies. They're trying to figure out how to make him not invisible. Okay. Never mind then. I do like the idea of infrared and like them using infrared to try, try and spot him and use the heat that he's still giving off from his body. Dude. I thought that was pretty cool. You could like go to the movies and never have to pay for a ticket ever again. Now we're talking. Like, this, that is exactly Now what we're I talking. I like it. When people started talking, I would like take their popcorn and punt it down the stairs. <laughs> They would leave. Or like, I would, you're, if you're talking to you in the movie, I'm going to take the cover off your soda and dump it on you. Like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Just start flicking the back of their head because they won't even see you to do anything. Just like. Or honestly, you know, as long as it's not a minor, give them a hard slap across the face. <laughs> I bet you would. I bet you would, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. But yeah, that's Hollow Man. Is it just me? I think so. Chris, do you have anything left? Um, unless you guys want me to talk about Ugly Delicious, no. I, I don't. But you guys are missing out on a good time. Alright, well then quickly, uh, I watched from 1942, um, directed by Edwin L. Morin. I watched The Invisible Agent. And this is a movie in which, so it's like the it's the grandson of the original Invisible Man, and he has this formula, and uh, people from the Axis side of the war come to him looking for the formula, trying to get it from him. He refuses. He goes to the U.S. government. The U.S. government then uses him to turn him invisible and make him an agent, so they can uncover a Nazi plot to bomb the United States. 
Dang. And I I like this one quite a bit. Uh, I really like like the spin of World War Two, like using invisibility, like not for personal gain, but in service of the country, and like doing that. I mean, it does play as kind of a typical, um, you know, like spy movie from that area, like I, I from that era. I don't think it does much with the invisibility, other than like they can use it without him being detected. Um, there is an aspect to this movie that was very confusing to me until the very end. Uh, Peter Lore plays a character, and let me just give you his name so you can see why I was confused. His name is Peter Lore. He is a white guy who, um, oh, sorry, he's Austrian, but it's still white. And... <laughs> He plays a character called Baron Ikito. And can you guess what side of the war he is on and why it was confusing? <laughs> He's not on the side of the Austrians. He is apparently a Japanese person ah. in the movie. And that was very confusing until the very end when there are other actual Japanese people there. Because, like, he... he fails his mission to get the the formula so he like kills himself via uh harakiri and it's like what's well, that that's really weird for it's like the japanese tradition of disemboweling yourself when you have failed a mission you sure like it wasn't dying. a 47 ronin situation no it's like and when he, he does that and before he does that, he converses with other Japanese people saying that they have failed. And then at that point, it was like, oh, I guess he's supposed to be Japanese. And then he goes and he disembowels himself. And it's like, he's definitely supposed to be Japanese. That's very confusing. That is very confusing. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, I I liked it. And then lastly, from 1944, directed by Ford B.B., I watched The Invisible Man's Revenge. And this, so far, is my least favorite of The Invisible Man movies. I don't think it's very good. Uh, it's about um, a fugitive who turns himself invisible, and it's kind of just a douchebag the whole movie. Uh, the movie is kind of presented in a way in which you kind of are rooting for him. Or it wants you to root for him and succeed. But he's basically just, like, he's just blackmailing and killing people. And, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not rooting for him, Chris. I don't think he's a very good dude. It's kind of weird to hear you say for a guy who really liked Cannibal Holocaust. Well, you know, I know who you're supposed to be rooting for in this movie. This one's very confusing. Hmm. Uh, but in terms of the invisibility, they add an interesting like twist to it, like that it it fades, and the way to become visible again is you have to completely. This is what, <laughs> this is what they don't really explain that well, but how it works is, you have to completely drain the blood of someone else and put it into you, and then you become visible again. So this leads to multiple hijinks. He has to keep finding people to drain their blood and put it in himself. That's eventually how he gets caught and killed. But Any type of blood? You don't have to pay attention becomes... to blood types? 
you don't mention it. What I don't understand is what happens to his blood. Like he's still a living being; he's just invisible. I so mean, am I supposed to believe he blood is what makes you visible? Like he's just peeing happen? it out. And like, why? It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> like, so like, essentially. When he is a visible person, he has his own blood and someone else's blood in there. So he just has double the amount of blood an actual person needs. It doesn't work. There is a plot hole. Dude, he's just he's just pooping out his own blood. I mean, maybe. That's how that's working. But uh, I do, do not recommend. It's, it's not very good. And that is it. That's all. Everything I watched besides the Mark Maron special, but I don't have much to say about that. Uh, where was it? Where was it recorded? Was it in Portland? Was it after Chris sold the car to him? I think, no, probably not. That was very recently, so I don't think he would have had time to edit a special and release it. I mean, in his defense, it is a it is a comedy special. I mean, like how much of that is there to edit? There's multiple camera angles and stuff that splice together. I guess so. They also usually splice together like sets from two or three different shows. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. That's true. Which then, so do they wear the same clothes then each time they perform? They have to if they splice yeah, together multiple that's shows. That's why I thought it was this like one event, like Mark Marinette whatever and like that's what you're seeing like he's going on tour and telling the same jokes sometimes it is i mean if they're splicing together multiple shows they have to like they have to or else they'll have a different stage not set up because the setup is probably going to be the exact same but like structure like Like the stage will be shaped differently the seats will be looking differently like that's why they usually have like a couple stops on their show on their tour where it's like multiple shows in one city for like four or five nights in a row that's true and they also usually do more than one show in a day so they record both of them yeah so like for example i know just because i've heard him talk about it like joe rogan and tom segura and like when they film specials they're doing like three shows a night and they are just recording all three shows and just piecing together what is the best Hmm. from both or from all three. Interesting. I had no idea. Crazy fucking guys. Crazy guys. So next week we're reviewing The Hunt? If uh, I can get to it, I hope so. Maybe. If we're not closed out of uh, <clears throat> going anywhere. Backup plan. Backup plan swallow. That is the backup Alright, let's go plan. for that. Uh, until next week, um, as always, thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Stay f- safe out there. Wash your fucking hands. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.